0: afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A tough day. You know, Mondays can be tough, but today just made Monday that much harder when you look at the way we saw these markets trade. Now, flip side of it, We think the cattle, they took advantage of what we saw in those grain prices. Hogs, unfortunately, saw the red as well. As we look at what's been happening, weather-related market, things are heating up across the Midwest, literally. How much of all is this going to play into the tone? We'll talk about southern Brazil having some issues as well when it comes to corn. We get all the details today as Mike Zuzalo joins us. He is with Global Commodity Analytics. and Mike, let's start out. This is a weather-related market. I think it's like we're on a broken record. You and I have talked about this so much but it just seems to intensify every time we talk
1: and it's the flip side of what a weather market should be given that we're gonna hit the century mark all across the Western Corn Belt and yes there are forecast models out there that are suggesting that the heat that's building in the West that's gonna come into the middle part of the country and it's gonna really hit hard the Western Corn Belt that's already super dry and the spring wheat belt that's super dry Um, and it's expected maybe by some models to come back and and head back over the uh, Rocky Mountains uh, maybe by this weekend or late in the weekend, Susan. But be that as it may, I think the break in the markets today has a lot more to do with the greater uncertainty about the demand because of the policy issues that a lot of countries are starting to really unfold and and kind of roll out. And, and some of them we know about, some of them we're not sure if it's true or not. But I guess what I'm getting at is is that the demand side of the equation we're not sure about even after, in the hindsight or aftermath, right after a big USDA WASDA report that took grain stocks down and beginning stocks for corn and increased exports and ethanol demand. But between the commodity speculation being limited in China uh, the U.S. biofuel policy being a big uncertainty now with potential uh, refinery uh, exemptions being given. If that's the true statement, we don't know yet. But um, And then we've got the Federal Reserve monetary policy with very strong inflation readings that could suggest that maybe they're going to start thinking about coming in and tapering or, in, in other words, limiting the big, big push of money that they've pushed into the system since the pandemic. And so, these food prices have caught up with government policy and, and this shouldn't surprise us, um, but it always does because it comes in, you know, seemingly out of nowhere and that's where we're at right now and so we really I think have to think about, you know, getting some discipline and getting out of the emotional side of the equation as fast as possible because we're still up there in prices high enough that we could do some pretty effective hedging.
0: Before we talk about being in that disciplined market, I wanted to kind of follow back on what you were commenting about when it came to to food prices and that. I've seen a lot of discussion on social media. And it's been nice to see a, a positive spin in the sense of prices have gone up, but we need to think of the farmers that raise these items that we utilize because there's a diff- big price difference bef- between what, what they're getting and what folks are paying in the grocery stores.
1: And, and this is where the emotion comes in on, on the producer side of the equation. Um, I learned a long time ago when I started doing this that when you have extremely strong food prices, it's usually due to emerging markets and the raw commodity prices rallying so sharply. And so the, the General consumer and governments, for for the most degree, can't really differentiate between what producers are making or losing versus what the consumer is getting for bang for their buck and what kind of inflationary pressure they're facing. And so we really have to, and this is how I do every year, especially when we have prices that hit four, five, six-year highs, we have to think about the idea that, in general, policymakers – and consumers want a high stock market and a low commodity market, and I think if we start off that way, then we don't get as we're not as susceptible to getting caught behind the eight ball of policy, big policy changes. And you know, it started off with China about a week and a half ago with them limiting com- commodity speculation. And, and they really targeted metals, but they also toward, targeted agriculture prices. I would say to the, the people out there that think the weather was the primary driver today to the marketplace, I would say, okay, if that's the case, then why was uh, the crude oil market able to rally if it wasn't you know, due to something else? And I think what we're seeing in the crude oil market being at a two-plus-year high and, and at the highest level since October 2018 is, the trade sees the demand for energy coming on stronger and stronger. And then they see a possible policy shift where you're going to blend less ethanol and less soybean oil into the the, uh, refined products for the green energy mandates. And that's, I think, why the market and the funds in particular probably attacked the spring wheat, attacked the corn, but didn't attack the the crude oil market. And they attacked the hogs um, for no apparent reason, except I think that that pork and bean trade, continues to be very, very well utilized by the funds. And so with the beans down several percentage points, it was going to be very hard for the hogs because of their strong relationship with beans right now because the funds have been buying both for them to be able to stay strong. So I think there's a lot more complexity in this market, and that's why I think it's the policy and the demand side as much as it is, if not more, than the weather side.
0: And, it, and it's funny because you talk about that emotion, and I think every time we see that temperature uptick, the emotion for this grain complex, and even livestock as well, continues to move up the ladder.
1: Yeah, and this is where, you know, you had mentioned about the Brazilian farmers. There are rumors out there by some. We don't know if it's true or not. I've got some sources in South America checking on it and haven't gotten back to me. But there's there's talk that because the Brazilian crop has hit so badly, especially in Paraná and southern Brazil, that producers in those regions may not be able to make their contracts. They may have to renege or uh, renegotiate their contracts because their production has been oversold at this point. I would not be surprised at all for that to be a, a true statement or that to become a reality. It's a really big wake-up call for us because I'm talking about my clients and, and subscribers hedging, but I do not want to sell any cash. And it's not just because I don't know the yield and I don't want them to be in the same spot as the Brazilian farmer is.
0: We've got a lot more coming up. We're going to talk about this emotion more in a moment. It's the Fontanelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue this conversation with Mike Zuzulo, He's with Global Commodity Analytics. And we left talking a little bit about all the emotions that are in this market trade. But with emotions, you've got to be disciplined. And we kind of hinted about this, Mike, at the beginning. But... How do we say disciplined when we see the markets that we see on the screen?
1: Well, I think you come into the marketing year with a profit per acre or a profit per head mindset in terms of what is good for your farm, what's good for your family, what's good for your ranch. And, and I know I'm talking broad brush right now, Susan, but I, I kind of have to. I think, A, it's useful because it is an emotional time period we're in right now. We could literally be losing a national yield right now in corn and beans. We're one rain away from doing that at this stage, in my opinion. Um, A 175 national corn yield is going to be extremely hard to make, let alone a 179.5 if we don't get some rains in the next week or so with these kind of temperatures we're dealing with. Because I'm going by the mindset that June, if it's dry, July is probably going to be even drier. And I think most farmers are going to be in that mindset too. So Just by addressing that 30 days before the actual event, you can control the emotion side and come in with a more disciplined mindset. And and I had a very good client uh, call today and talk about having some old crop corn, and and he was at a point where he just couldn't take any more for the down market. And he read the inflation special report I did last week, and I talked about monetary policy maybe shifting and and tried to lay out really clearly, look, this monetary policy – was one of the big reasons why the investors came in and bought commodities, and one of the big reasons why the inflation took hold was because the Fed let it take hold. So if they want to take away the punch bowl of the loose federal monetary policy, you've got to react to that and be ready for that. So these are the kind of things that you kind of lay out. You and I have talked a lot about how the second half of the year is probably going to be more treacherous, more dangerous, more tough for the grain producer, but maybe be easier for the livestock producer. In terms of hedging and being more patient i think that's still on track so integrate these things into your decision making and then look at days like today when you see the spring wheat had a very heavy volume day there's next to no rain in the forecast the next five days for north dakota on either of the big weather models and yet it was one of the leaders to the downside and we're right around the corner of a crop conditions report where the trade's thinking it's going to be 36% good to excellent, that compares to 81% a year ago. So does that say to you that you want to sell spring wheat here in the cash market? No, but if the funds want to liquidate and sell off into the acreage report or into July 4th, because of some of these outside policy shifts, use the paper position.
0: Are you seeing any upcoming pressure? for this winter wheat crop?
1: No, I really am not. And I was really impressed. One day doesn't make a trend, but I was really impressed that the bright spot today was the wheat corn spread coming around. The soft red wheat gaining on the corn to the point where we're back to almost 20 cents, 16 to 20 cents premium in the soft red wheat. If we're going to be able to do that a few more days in a row, uh, I think the wheat maybe has already put in kind of a pre-harvest low at this point. And I'm really eager to see if this heat comes in because some of the hard red wheat people I talk to out west and work with out west of me uh, are suggesting that quality could become an issue. So
0: so jump over to the livestock side. Uh, cattle market, are they going to be able to continue to take advantage of, of the prices yeah, we've seen? Out-
1: Yeah, I put out new um, overvalue levels based upon the idea that maybe we would find some correction in the corn market and the feeders would be able to drive the fat cattle higher, even if the hogs wanted to kind of top out for now. I think we do have the potential for the June fats and the Deese fats and the August fats to have some runs to the upside. August fats, like an overvalue level for me right now, is around 124 and a quarter. December fats, overvalue for me. When what that means is that's where I think the the supply is, is ample enough to meet the demand and you've got a premium in this market, so you maybe want to hedge some of it. But the DS fats up around one hundred thirty, three seventy, would be a level that I would classify as and a good place to hedge. But we did see that, that feeder fat spread get up to about thirty five dollars today. The twenty twenty one high is back from late May at about thirty five fifty on a weekly closing basis. So if we can take out thirty five fifty feeders minus fat so we may be able to get back up to around 39 40 dollars and up near that 2020 high so that would probably get us to those overvalued levels in the fat cattle At these price levels i would be at those those price levels i would be really eager to get some hedges in place for the feeders and the fats because i still think we're about a quarter away from feeling some some significant supply easing and and the floor comes up in prices for fat cattle especially
0: all right sounds good mike best way for folks to get a hold of you
1: Best place is to go to globalcomresearch.com and all you have to do is give me your name and your email and your phone number and you can just say, call me, I have a specific question or you can say I want a two-week trial to get me through this next two weeks and then see if you want to subscribe or be a client. I'm sorry for the long-windedness today, uh, Susan, but I really appreciate you having me on.
0: No problem. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable to all investors. That is our Fontenelle final bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers right here on the World Radio Network.